Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. I'm your host, Jaden Smith, and so excited to welcome today's guest, uh, Dr. Ian Barrett, to the show. Ian, thank you so, so much for taking taking the time. For those who don't know you, we always start with a softball. Uh, who are you, Ian? Sure, well, Jaden, I'm certainly glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, you know, I'm a human resources professional. I've been doing that for a long time. And in addition to that, you know, I'm a multidimensional person. So, so I'm an immigrant. Um, my family moved to the United States from the island of Jamaica when I was 13 years old. And so I had an opportunity to um, go to high school um, and, of course, go to college and to build my career here. My dad still lives there, and so I do go back from time to time. In addition to that, you know, I have many interests. So in addition to working in human resources, you know, I like to be engaged in things that are going on around me. So the things that I'm engaged in, I like to be engaged in politics. And so I, I participate in my civic duty by voting, but I also participate in the process. Um, I'm also I'm engaged in sort of civil rights activities. Um, and uh, education is also to a passion for mine. So my alma maters and just educational in general. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. And so I participate in that work as well. Um, my husband and I, we've been together for, let me get this right, it'll be 23 years next month. Um, we have a little dog called Baxter and he's the joy of our life. Um, and currently we um, live and work in St. Louis, which is a great community. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. 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 And sounds like you definitely keep yourself, uh, keep yourself busy, Ian. And uh, congrats on the, uh, on the 23 years. <laughs> I'm sure that, you know, uh, definitely important to take a little bit of time to make sure we got that number <laughs> right before yeah, saying it. So, right? Be, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know it. I know that it's right. (laughs) Well, love it. Love it. And, uh, you know, just appreciate your, uh, you know, just kind of like sharing of your interests and activities and such as well. Um, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity for um, engagement and involvement in the areas that you, you know, have, have kind of outlined and outside of voting, you know, being able to get involved in, in different areas. So just want to, you know, give kudos to you on that front as well. Sure, of course. Awesome. So, you know, focus on, um, you know, personal, um, you know, kind of interest and personal, um, you know, uh, the personal piece of your life, Ian, would love to, you know, hear more about how, how you got into, you know, the leadership position that you're in today, you know, just kind of sharing more about your leadership journey. Sure. So, um, you know, I started my career um, as an individual contributor. So um, my first job out of college, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep, calling on physicians um, and pharmacies. Um, and, you know, I sort of liked that job. Um, and then I sort of left that and got into human resources. I, I got a job with a security guard firm, first as an operations manager, sort of the person who... Um, 
more of a specialist providing support to operations as they be put, you know, security officers in various accounts. And then uh, one day, the human resources manager announced that she was leaving. And, um, and I'd had an interest in human resources. I was working in operations at the time. She actually had an HR assistant who wasn't interested in the role, even though she was well qualified. And she asked me if I wanted to be the HR manager and I would be supervising two people. And it was an opportunity to grow. It was an opportunity to make more money. And so I said, yes. And so I became the human resources manager for this firm. I often say that I got promoted and moved into leadership using the POOF method, meaning that today I'm an individual contributor and the next day, POOF, I'm a manager. <laughs> and I got, I got POOFed into that manager role without a lot of it, without any experience. And I'm really thankful for the two people that I supervised because I tried out, you know, a lot of my tried trial and error is really how I learned to be a supervisor. And then along the way, I've had opportunities to take on a variety of different roles in human resources. So really leading every single HR vertical along the way and then sort of moving up the ranks from manager to director, associate vice president to vice president. So, um, and along the way people have, I'm sure we'll talk about mentoring and sponsorship later, but along the way people have seen something in me and given me opportunities to expand, uh, expand my um, areas of responsibility, expand the number of people who are provide support to or who I lead. And so um, that whole business of mentoring, sponsorship, and coaching is important, and people along the way have sponsored me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And love, uh, love your term of the, the poof method, right? Because it, it seems like that that happens so, so often in organizations where you kind of see, um, you know, people who are like your best individual contributors then getting, you know, promoted, you know, hey, the next day you're now leading a team. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're seeing a lot of, like, it, it's almost like it's a, like a sink or swim, or that's kind of been like traditionally, you know, the, the, the way in which that that's happened, especially in certain industries. I mean, I can think back to like my experience working in the restaurant industry. Like it was very much like, you know, Hey, you're our best fry cook or you're our best cashier. You want to manage a shift now? <laughs> you want to do this? Like, so like, you know, think that that highlights kind of like, you know, just why it's so important, like you said, for like the mentorship, the sponsorship and like the development opportunities, um, because too often leaders are just kind of like thrown into a position, but not really given those those tools for success. I agree. And I, I do think so. I um, I do believe adults learn on the job. One of my degrees is in adult education and, and we learn. Right. We learn through practice. I do think it needs to be supported through formal education and training as a leader, um, because there's a there's just a slew of stuff. Right. Everything from sort of labor law and policies um, and really to what to do and what not to do. And then the leadership pieces around, you know, creating a vision and getting people excited around that vision. Because if people are really excited, they will follow you anywhere. And so I think those are some of the pieces that I think people really need formal training in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're going to go a little bit uh, off script here because you, you talked about mentors. So I want to, you know, be able to hit on that a little bit and just want to, you know, hear more about some of the mentors you've had in your career and how 
how you now, Ian, as a, you know, more accomplished, you know, leader, you know, how do you give back and help to develop the next generation of leaders? Sure. So I do think that there, you know, there are a number of different words, which, you know, some people would argue are similar or maybe different. They do cross over. So, I mean, I think mentorship, um, coaching and sponsorship. So I'll just sort of talk about them in general. And I mean, I've been the benefit of all of those. Um, I do think sort of mentorship to me is, you know, what do I want to achieve and how can somebody sort of help mentor me based on my goals? You know, I sort of define coaching and sponsorship as more, what does the organization need and how can you mold me based on what the organization needs in the future? They all result in some kind of development, right, of the individual to do more tomorrow than they can today. And along the way, I've been, I've benefited from people. So I benefited from some of my bosses who've been both my bosses and also two mentors or coaches along the way. Um, you know, so that's, you know, that's worked for me. I've had other people who've not been my bosses, people who I've worked with, other people in human resources who, who've, um, who've sort of taken an interest in me. Um, there have been times when I've reached out to individuals or individuals have reached out to me. And then I also think there's the opportunity to not only have one person, but to have sort of a board of directors. And that's what I would say that I have now is, you know, I probably have a group of, you know, six to nine people who I can talk to. And I talk to them on a regular or ad hoc basis based on what's going on and what my needs are. I do think an important part of all of these relationships is they need to be two ways. So it can't just be I'm getting something out of it and they aren't, right? So it has to be like any relationship. It needs to be two way, it needs to be developed um, and it needs to be, they need to be getting something out of the relationship as well. So whether it's information um, or feedback or a, a, a touch base every now and again, the other people in the relationship need to be getting something out of it as well. And then as far as people who are coming behind me in human resources, I am, a, I am passionate about human resources. So, I mean, every business requires human capital and human beings. And so I think the role of the human resources professional is critical. Um, and so, and I've enjoyed a long career in human resources and I want to leave it behind to people who are passionate about this work. And so I encourage people to come in the field. I encourage people to stay in the field. I encourage people to get a variety of experiences in the field. And I want there to be a cadre of people to replace me when I decide to go off in the sunset and do something different. <laughs> and so I'm very much willing to spend one-on-one -on -one time with people who um, who are human resources professionals or who want to be in, in the field of human resources. I'm happy to spend my time. And, you know, if I get invited to talk about human resources at a college course or a professional association, I'm willing to do that as well, because I think the field is important and I want to make sure that we have strong human resources people in the field. Yeah. And kudos to you for, you know, pointing out with mentorship, like how, you know, and just relationships in general, how, you know, it does have to be a two-way street. I think that so many, so many times, you know, people who, you know, maybe are getting mentored, um, you know, kind of look at it as like, oh yeah, I'd love to connect and just like rack your brain and like get your mentorship. But 
like what kind of value are you providing in return, whether that be insights from, you know, the field level, right? Because if you're in a, a vice president level role, maybe you're not as, you know, present in the field, right? So like having someone who's on kind of that ground level to like provide that insider, whatever it may be, just finding a way to like provide value to that leader as well is such a good reminder for anyone who is seeking out like mentorship or sponsorship. I agree. And I think, you know, there are a couple of things. So I think, you know, LinkedIn is great, but that's not enough. I mean, LinkedIn is kind of passive. So I'd say activate, um, you know, activate some people in your LinkedIn would be one. And then the second thing is, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about relationships. Um, I, I believe there's a difference between relationship development and networking. Networking to me is going to an event and passing out business cards and smoothing. That's okay, but it's not enough. And so um, we'll talk a little bit more, I'm sure, about relationship development. But relationship development is two-way that's ongoing and it requires work. Yeah. So, let, so let's hear it, Ian. What's your, uh, what's your approach, your uh, philosophy, or any advice that you would share on how to build relationships as a leader? Great question. So I, I believe relationship is the currency through which we get work done. So we can have fancy know-how, fancy processes, great technology. But at the end of the day, it is the human-to-human connection through which we get work done. So, you know, I, as a leader, I build strong relationships with people at all levels, at the level in the organization that I'm at. I build it with middle management and frontline leaders. And I also build it with frontline individual contributors. I have found that people are willing to, um, people are willing to spend time with you and people are willing to share. People are not shy in sharing. And I find that some of the places where I, my most valued relationships are at the front lines. Um, and so, and you said it earlier, sometimes, you know, based on sort of where I am in the organization, I may not have the view of the front lines and people on the front lines, both supervisors and individual contributors are very much willing to share. Um, So strong relationships, actively building and maintaining and cultivating strong relationships are important. They're particularly important um, to get work done, to get information, to build support. Um, I think it's also too important to have strong relationships because sometimes you have um, you have service outages. It's not uncommon. I'll be the first to say in human resources, sometimes we try things and they don't go well, or we try something and there's a service outage. And it's really helpful to have strong relationships where people know you, because if they know you, they will dig further. They'll come talk to you or they'll give you a pass versus if they don't know you, they'll say, mm, I don't know that Ian guy. So your side of the story must be true. And he's a dud. Right. So I think relationships help with those um, those service level outages and they also help with conflict. I I always say that if you have more than one person working together in an organization, there will be conflict and relationships really help when there are conflict situations as well. So I think relationships are critically important. I would even say I'd venture to say they're as important or sometimes more important than technical skills. Because technical skills, you could rely on other people or you could develop those. But really, relationships is the name of the game in order to get work done and to be effective as a leader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to to your point, like you hear so so much about like 
yes, the the technical skills are important, but like the soft skills is what we make decisions based off of. That's how we, you know, as an organization, we're, we're looking to hire, right? Because you do need those people who are able to build up the relational equity to get work done. Because if everyone, you know, if everyone dislikes you and you're just a jerk who pushes through, you know, to get work done, like that's going to be very, very, very obvious. Um, and it's going to hinder, you know, the ability to get work done. So as we kind of think about, Ian, like getting work done, um, you know, one of the the skills that, you know, you've really, you know, outlined and kind of exemplified in your career is the, you know, the element of change management. Um, and, you know, that takes those relationships and, you know, that that is so important. So can you tell us about a time when you rolled out a new initiative and how you were able to, you know, one, gain employees buy-in with that change, but then two, you know, how did you deal with those team members who maybe were reluctant to the change or resistant to the change? How did you approach, you know, that situation? Great question. So at the, um, at the University of Texas Medical Branch, we rolled out a new compensation philosophy and program. Um, and, you know, Titles and compensation are really near and dear to people's hearts, both individual contributors, but also to managers. But there are a couple of things we were trying to do. We were trying to make the program, our goals were to make the program competitive, to have a compensation framework and program that was competitive, that um, it was easy to understand and administer from the manager's perspective, and also too easy to understand from the employee's perspective. And then also to the third one is that it was flexible. And so we used those as design principles um, in, um, in designing this particular program. We actually started off by creating the burning platform for change because the three things that I mentioned were things that we'd heard from leaders and employees when we did a listening tour. People weren't, um, people weren't enamored with our compensation program. And so those were, so we got lots and lots of feedback. And so we used that feedback to A, create the three goals. And more importantly is to put together a cross-functional team of leaders across the organization to help us. Um, part of the change management too was having what I call change. I call them change evangelists. So there are people who are out in the business who are actually talking about the change, the why for the change, the burning platform as to why the change is necessary. And so they are hearing it from people who they know and trust in addition to hearing it from human resources. We um, designed the program, we designed training for all leaders so that leaders could be trained in the new program. And then we did communication um, to all employees in many different ways, including pushing out information about any new grade or new pay, their new pay rate through PeopleSoft, which is the program that we use as our HRIS. Um, so we, in order to, um, in preparing for the resistance, right, that we may have or the questions, we had a number of different feedback mechanisms for both leaders and employees to provide that with those feedback with that feedback. Um, so leaders could talk to their leaders, they could reach out to human resources. We did uh, my favorite open session with employees where they could ask questions. And then we had a confidential way for us for them to get feedback to us. 
A key, I think, to this kind of change is the leader of the work group, preparing the frontline leader to be able to answer questions and to explain it to their people. And so we spend a lot of time preparing the frontline leaders for that, around all the things, around all the questions that they may get. But we also prepare them that if you get a question that you don't know the answer is to say, I don't know the answer to that question, but I will go back to the design team to get the answer for you. And I think all of those pieces helped us to have a successful launch. It wasn't perfect, right? Because you're building the plane as you're flying it. There are things that you don't anticipate that come up during implementation. Um, but we were able to we were able to deal with those issues as they came up. And I think that we launched a successful program that met the needs of the organization. Uh, met the needs of our employees and also to met the needs of our the needs of our leaders. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riverlightchicago.org. Again, riverlightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And yeah, I think that um, you know, obviously, pay, title, position—you know, <laughs> definitely something very important. So, a delicate situation to kind of you know tiptoe around. But it sounds like you know, sounds like it, it, it went well. And I think that it's so important to kind of highlight of like, yes, sometimes like the changes do come, do come from the top or do come from, you know, a work group leader, but why it's so important, like, you know, in a, in a large organization to prepare, you know, prepare the people who are going to be kind of receiving, you know, that, that feedback positive or negative right? Is that like, not everyone's going to come back to Ian and say, Hey, this is stupid, but they may go to their boss and say, Hey, this is stupid. So like preparing them to be able to like, you know, work through that is so, so crucial. So Ian, you know, very, um, you know, very bright mind, very forward thinking. And I'm sure just, you know, have so many great ideas when you, you know, are within an organization of like how, how different improvements can be made and how, how changes can be made that would, you know, either, you know, create improvements. Like you said, sometimes you, you just have to try it and it may not create the improvement, but you know, you, you do want to try it. And so how do you balance kind of that, that idea of like rolling out new initiatives versus making improvements to what's already there? Good question. So, I mean, I think that, um, I think the best way, I've found the best way to frame my work is really what are the needs of the business? Where is the business moving? What are the people implications? And then how do I work with the operational leaders in order to make sure that, the HR products and services and programs meet the needs. So I work in healthcare. And so healthcare is a dynamic changing business. It's become more dynamic and changing faster over the last one and a half years because of COVID. Um, and as we move into the endemic phase, you know, some of the challenges that we've had in healthcare will continue. COVID has helped to 
to exacerbate or exaggerate some of the challenges that we have in healthcare. And so there are just a, a number of different opportunities or challenges that we need to, to face. And they're not new or different from other businesses, um, but there are some things that we really need to challenge or, or need to tackle. So I'll, I'll sort of name a few, and they're not new. One of them is talent, right? Talent act, finding talent in order to provide, you know, in order to provide care. It's always been an issue. We need to continue to focus on talent acquisition and, and finding talented people. We need to work on pipeline programs, which is the beginning point of talent acquisition. And then we also need to retain, right? We need to retain the people that we have. And so that continues to be a focus. Um, and then also I put in there sort of compensation and benefits. I would put work life and well-being, diversity, equity, and inclusion. All of those things have become even more important as a result of the pandemic and also to the racial justice movement, which we've seen over the last couple of years. So those are all things related to talent. The next bucket would be leadership. So the frontline leader, as I mentioned, is important. And so how do we support him or her in order to be most effective? How do we select the right people and not use the poof method, right? But <laughs> use a more, um, a better method than the poof method. And we need to prepare people in order to lead, right? And so, um, and then also things like leadership succession. I mean, I like being a leader, but I don't plan to, one day I plan to retire. And so we need to make sure that we're preparing people who are newing their leadership journey in order to be able to um, lead larger teams or, and to make a larger impact than they're making today. Um, so that would be all things leadership. And then I think in sort of organizational culture and organizational capability, you know, things like a culture of innovation or a culture of performance. I talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I would also put it in that space as well. And so we need to be focused there. We need to be focused on culture. We need to be focused on mission, vision, and values. Um, and so there's a whole lot of stuff that, that we can be focused on from a people perspective. I work with the leaders, the operational leaders to figure out in all of those things that we can be doing, where should we be focused, right? In order to drive the business outcomes that we need. Sometimes it requires tweaking existing programs and sometimes it requires tweaking or creating new programs from scratch. But it's always based on the operational needs and us working with operational leaders in order to identify the priorities. The last thing I'll say in this area is, I alone as a human resources leader can't fix or take care of all of the, the um, talent or people challenges or opportunities that we have. I really need partnership with operations. So I actually want them in my swim lane. I want them to I want them involved in talent acquisition or pipeline development. I want them involved in what are we gonna do from a compensation perspective. I want them involved in leadership succession because it's all of us partnering together where we will be better tomorrow than we are today. And so it's really a partnership between human resources and operations. Yeah, absolutely. And so much goodness just shared there. So thank you. Thank you for, you know, kind of diving into that, Ian. And, you know, just you know, sharing of just like 
how important it is to, you know, just kind of understand the, because I think it's sometimes we like get this great idea, right? And we're like, oh, we, we need to make this happen. And then like recognizing that that great idea maybe, you know, falls into like the not urgent and not really important category of like, yes, it would be like, it would be, you know, a value add, but maybe it's not, you know, the most pressing need, right? So like being able to devote your time, you know, in that way of what is most pressing to the organization and the challenges we're facing now and, you know, in the future. Yeah, I think, you know, you said it on the head, you hit the nail on the head. What is, what is the problem we're trying to solve, right? I think that's so crucial as we define a problem. And then what are the interventions? And do we already have interventions? And are we fully utilizing the interventions and the tools that we have? People really get excited about creating new stuff. Um, and I often say, well, do we already have old stuff that we're not using to its full potential? And can we further implement what we already have, right? So it's, it's what is the problem? Do we currently have an intervention or do we need it to create something from scratch? Yeah. So one of the things you kind of, you know, touched on, you know, Ian, is just how, you know, how important it is to prepare prepare leaders beyond, you know, the poof method and, you know, wanting to make sure that like, you know, on, on your team that when, when you're ready to step away from, from the position that there's someone kind of, you know, ready to step into it. So what kind of, you know, can you just kind of share, I guess, what kind of like development opportunities you provide for your team and how you, how you as a leader kind of stretch them to, to push them into, um, you know, that next level, if it's something that they're interested in? Sure. Great question. So, you know, we operate, we have a framework around which we operate our business. And as I mentioned, we're in healthcare. And so it's around the employee experience, which is everything related to employees, the people who work with us and for us, Um, the patient experience. So what's the experience of the patient who comes into our health system? Um, quality and safety. People come to us for care. So we want to provide safe care and high quality care. And then the last one is stewardship and financial performance. We need to be a nonprofit. We need to be stewards of the organization. We need to steward the resources and the assets. And we need to make sure that we're at least making a margin. So we use that margin to reinvest in our people and to reinvest in our business and our operations. So that's the framework that I use with my leaders around. um, That's the framework that I use for my own goals. But it's also the framework that I use for my leaders um, every year on an annual basis. And so we talk about, you know, where can you have an impact? Clearly, as HR people, we can have an impact in the employee experience. But we also, that's tied to the um, the other four buckets. And so I make sure that we're developing goals Um, in all of those areas. And in some of those other areas, we're partnering on operations in order to advance. Um, I believe, again, I'm I'm an adult learner and I'm an adult educator. So I believe that people learn through doing. There there needs to be some formal education. I believe in that as well. But I like to give my people exposure to things that they haven't done before and to projects that they haven't done before. So we... We, you know, we talk about, you know, what are the kinds of things that they need to develop? What kind of exposure do they need? What kind of experiences do they need? 
And how do the how do the how do they get those through, you know, participating on project teams, participating on task force, task forces? Maybe it's taking on something that I've been doing, right? And so sometimes it's me relinquishing some of my responsibilities from to my direct reports, so that they can have developmental opportunities. Um, and so. You know, that's sort of the process that we use in an annual and an ongoing basis. Um, it seemed to work well. I do one-on-ones with my people. So it's an opportunity for them to tell me how things are going, uh, for them to ask for my feedback, for us to be thought partners together, for me to help to remove any roadblocks that they may have. But it's also to an opportunity to have an ongoing dialogue about their work, their performance, and then their own development. I love it. And as a leader, you know, as someone who like takes, takes so much like pride, I'm sure in the work that you do, I'm sure that it's never like an easy decision to say, Oh yeah, I'm just going to, you know, push this off to some, you know, delegate it out. Right. Like I, I know that a lot of leaders struggle with that of like, Oh, this is, this has been my baby. But I think that it's, it's so crucial. And, you know, our, our first job as a leader is to develop those around us and to lead the team. Right. So, um, you know, just appreciate you, you sharing that. Cause I think that that's good advice to share with others of like, you can't hoard all the fun stuff for yourself. <laughs> you have to, you know, share it and, and help, you know, stretch others, um, to continue to grow as well. I think that I do think that the development of others is a key role of a leader. And so, and I actually think the more you advance in an organization, the larger that development role is for that particular leader. So we start our careers as individual contributors who are responsible for the delivery of XYZ. I think as we broaden our scope um, and we move to you know, higher levels in the organization, that development of talent that development of, of talent is extremely important and it is required. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Ian, you kind of, you know, spoke to, um, you know, just kind of the, the, um, you know, the employment market or the employment environment that we're kind of in right now and how, you know, like talent acquisition is, you know, such a, such a struggle, um, you know, and kind of has been like an area of focus, but even, you know, more so like, you know, during and post pandemic. And as we're kind of like moving, moving into the future here, it's going to be something to focus on. But, you know, that also means that a lot of people are taking on new opportunities. And like, you know, there are there are roles out there and people are making shifts and making transitions. And, you know, certainly an exciting time for that as well. So can you tell, you know, and, and share with the audience about a time where you had to adapt to a culture when entering a new position? Um, and what were some of the challenges you faced and how you overcame that? Great question. Um, so, yeah, I can think of a time where, um, you know, I had a, a, a role in my career where I moved from a, um, I moved from a health system, a children's hospital to a medical school. And so, you know, while they're um, sort of both in sort of the healthcare business, sort of the uh, medical school, a health sciences university, you know, it runs a little bit different than a children's hospital. And so um, it was a, um, it was a new environment for me. And so 
you know, part of it, as I mentioned earlier, is really um, using my time to, um, to build relationships with people. Um, and I actually, every time I go into an organization, I use a listening tour. And that's really an opportunity to actually go out and um, in the past, sit down face-to-face. Today, maybe face-to-face, <laughs> and, right? Given sort of where we are and the tools we have is really to spend time um, individually with people to find out what's going on, to get to know them personally, but find out what's going on with them and their part of the business, right? I mentioned earlier, people are willing to share. You just ask a couple of questions and people are willing to share. And so I think that that's important is to spend time with people in in one-on-one sessions and a listening tour to start building relationships with people. the second one is to try to get a, a sense of what the culture is. And, you know, the culture is, you know, you know, it's sort of written down. You get it in new employer orientation. You get it in policies. You get it in publications. But you also sort of get it um, in a way by just interacting with people, sitting in meetings, you know, looking at sort of the rituals and the celebrations that organizations have. Right. It is, you know, what is the cadence and the fabric of sort of how people operate in the culture? And so being an observer of the culture, I think, is also too important in order to get a flavor for what the culture is like. Um, I think a third way is talking to people outside the organization. And so, you know, I've had the that organization was a you know, in talking to people in the community about the organization, people really valued the organization. And so, and people were positive about the organization. So I think talking to people externally is also too important. Um, And so, you know, through those, at least three ways, I'm sure there are others, those were a way that I sort of learned, began to learn the culture, became acculturated, and began to feel comfortable operating within that culture. Yeah. I think the, the listening tours certainly, you know, such good advice to share is that like, it's easy to, to come in and maybe, you know, you're the new director or AVP or VP, you're a new leader within an organization and they hired you for a reason, right? Like they hired you because there's, you know, a vacancy or there's a gap in performance or a gap in kind of like what's, you know, being accomplished. And it's easy to kind of like come in with like a chip on your shoulder of like, oh my gosh, now I need to like prove these people right. (laughs) And they like, and you know, like you don't build those foundational relationships needed. So just kind of taking, you know, the first step of just stepping back, you know, getting to know the people, getting to know the organization. So that way, when you do have those great ideas or those new initiatives, they, like you have the support of those around you to actually move it forward. Agreed. And actually, you, um, you made an important point, which I'd like to just add to. So I believe every leader, maybe everyone, but certainly every leader coming in specifically from outside the organization, there is a expectation of change, Right. Um, we go particularly to the outside and looking for leadership because there's an opportunity or we want change. We may not know exactly what change we want, but we know that we want to be in a different place. We want to be in a different place having hired this person into this role. Um, I think it is important, and you said it, is that we learn what's going on. We 
we build relationships with people. We, we find out what people do and why they're doing it. So we ask the why questions and we ask it in a number of different ways. And that we learn first before we start making changes. It's so important to learn what's happening and why it's happening um, before we start making changes. I, I often call it as, you don't call somebody's baby ugly until you sort of understand where the, where the baby comes from, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> you sort of have to build your own credibility. You have to build your knowledge base. You have to build those relationships. So I think it's important that sometimes we actually hold off a little bit in making changes until we have the foundation, those foundational things in place. Yeah, absolutely. And Ian, you've just, you know, shared so much wisdom for, you know, our audience to be able to soak in and, you know, grow from. Um, if, if someone in the audience today is, you know, inspired by, you know, what's been shared, would like to, you know, connect with you, how can people best reach you? So people can reach me via LinkedIn, so they can look for Dr. Ian C. Barrett on LinkedIn, or they can certainly reach out to me via email. My email is... Uh, I-A-N-C-B-A-R-R-E-T-T at gmail.com. Awesome. 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 And we can include that in the show notes as well so that it's easily accessible. Um, Ian, just want to say thank you so, so much for taking time to serve as a guest on the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. Really enjoyed the opportunity to reconnect with you and to be able to share your wisdom with our audience and look forward to continuing the dialogue. Thank you, Jayden. I was happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where we propel others along in their leadership journeys. If you enjoyed the show, would you please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listened? You can also visit www.spiritmco.com to find out more about how Spirit Consulting inspires virtuous leadership. We'll see you next time.